Hey, do, do y'all do know what the word hallelujah means? It means praise the Lord. Everybody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The, the, the word actually means an utterance in worship to declare the praises of our God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So I say it with you. Praise the Lord. Though you might have hard times in your life, praise the Lord. Though a pandemic might come, praise the Lord. Though you might not know what tomorrow looks like, praise the Lord. We are people of praise. Come on and worship our God. Father, we are here today to praise you. In the midst of storms, in the midst of trials, in the midst of temptations, Father God, we are a people of praise. We are a people of new hope. And we will declare to you today that we know you are holy. You are mighty. You're mighty to save, Father God. And we thank you that we can gather in this church, in the land of the free, and we can worship you and celebrate you. Father, would you minister to us today? Wherever we are, oh God, individually and collectively as a people. Father, we pray that you would have your way with us. For those who have gathered at any of the campuses and those who are online, we open up our hearts and our minds to you right now today. Father, thank you for your word. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and fill with them. Lord Jesus, as I always pray, take my lips and speak through them today. For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. And the people of God said together, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Wow. It's a good spirit in the house of the Lord. It's a very special day, by the way, very special day. Um, it, it, many of you know, like you've been taking pictures and stuff like, I wore a coat today. <laughs> you know it's a special day when I put on a coat. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it is a special day. We're gonna share some very exciting, brand new news with you. It's also a special day because we called it Back to Church. And I'm seeing a lot of you who are back to church for the first time in a very long time. So can we just welcome them back to church, back to church? Um, and I know since some of you have been here, we changed our worship times. And so we start at 1030 now and not 1045 for the second worship celebration. So if you knew that and you still showed up at 1045, just be like, dude, I, th I thought we were starting at 1045. It's all good. We're glad you're here. But we did change our times from 8.45 to 10.30 instead of 8.45 and 10.45. Hey, uh, can you help me welcome all the campuses? Love you guys over there in the campuses, those of you online. Hey, just, just by way of letting you know where we're going next Sunday, I will be speaking on hope. Um, and then the following Sunday, though, I am preaching a, a brand new series called Red Sea Rules. R-U-L-E-S, Red Sea Rules. And we're gonna be in Exodus. You can go ahead and start reading the book of Exodus. Go to Deuteronomy, read those Old Testament books. And we're gonna look at the ways in which God led his people into the wilderness and then across the Red Sea and into the promised land. You know the story, right? But the whole subtitle of the series is the same God who led us in to 2020 and 2021 and today, 
the same God who led us in, come on now, will lead us out. If you believe it, let me hear you say, praise the Lord. The same God, he is faithful. So we're gonna be looking at Red Sea rules, really, really excited about that. But today is a different kind of Sunday. It's not gonna feel like a normal Sunday to those of you who come here on a regular basis. Um, we just felt like it was time to take a Sunday morning, precious time, and use it to talk about something very, very important that will unfold. But it's not your traditional sermon, if you will. 33 years ago, I was in one of the most hopeless situations of my entire life. I was dangling by a thread. You see, I didn't grow up in the church, never heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ, went way, way off in the far country. And there I was in a small jail cell. If you're a guest, I hate to break it to you so quickly. <laughs> but there I was completely and utterly hopeless. Had no sense of the gospel, no sense of God. I had wrecked my life. I had almost taken my life multiple times. And there I was at the lowest point of my life thinking about trying to figure out how I could take my life in that situation. And I was at the lowest of rock bottoms. When a jail chaplain came by my cell and gave me my very first Bible and started talking to me about this guy named Jesus. And I was interested because I was at that lowest point and he said, I want you to read the Bible. And I'm like, where do I begin? He said, go to the Gospel of John. And so I read the Gospel of John. I finished that. I said, where now? He said, go to Luke. And I read Luke's Gospel. He'd come by every couple days. And I said, what next? He said, Romans. I read the book of Romans. And then one, one, one day, right before I went before the judge facing those years in prison, he came by my jail cell and he said, do you want to accept Christ? And I didn't really know what that meant, but I knew that I was desperate. Like some of you are feeling desperate these days. And I got down on my knees in that jail cell and, and he got down on his beside me and he, he said a prayer and asked me to repeat it after him. And I prayed and accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And for the very first time in my life, the very first time in my life, I felt hope. For the very first time in my life, I started to understand that there is a God who made me. There is a God who loves me. There is a God who has a purpose for my life. And there is a God who is a God of hope. 20 years ago, all I had was that relationship with Christ and a vision and a passion to start a church. I didn't have anything but a verse of scripture. A verse of scripture that we founded this church on Romans 15, 13. I want you to read it strong like it's the word of the Lord. Ready, go. May the God of fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with what? By the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of what? Hope. Fill you with all what, church? Joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with what? Hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. So 20 years ago, we, we started this church with that verse and a vision that was all about Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Go into the world and make what? Disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always. And from that, we came up with these three little words, reach, teach, and release. 
We crafted this mission statement. You read the scripture so well, why don't you read the church's mission statement with me together. We exist to reach people with the hope of Jesus. Teach them to follow God's word and release world changers. And we were off and running. And I could walk you through all kinds of history of this church. I remember being at the State Fair in Raleigh. Oh, praise God, the State Fair is about to come back around. I hope they'll have it. I'm at the State Fair, and I'm in a long line, and I had already walked up and down Fayetteville Road looking for land because I knew God was calling us to find a piece of land in the epicenter of central North Carolina. And I struck out. Every, every home I'd knock on, some developer had already found that person, and they were going to sell their property and build a subdivision. And I'm in a line at the fair, and I strike up a conversation with this dude who's right beside me. Long story short, his name is Johnny McConnell. He moves more dirt in this area than you can imagine. And we struck up a friendship. And before I knew it, he had me at the house, the little house right beside us as you're going toward the mall. He had, had me at that little house meeting a sweet little elderly couple that sold me 27 acres of land. I built a relationship with them, started pastoring them. And before long, the, the older man was about to pass away and he called for me and I went back to their house and he sold me the final nine acres and we ended up with 36 acres of land right here in the heart of central North Carolina. And we were, again, we were off and running. And again, I could walk you through all the history, but I'll, I'll pass today just for the sake of time. But here we are, we got to 2020 and like you, like me, we did not expect what was to come. Do y'all remember New Year's going into 2020? <laughs> we were all so excited. 2020 vision. It's going to be great. Yay. Bam. Sucker punch. COVID-19, right? And here we are, 18 months in or so. But I want to tell you what I believe, and this is a maxim that I have in ministry. I've been teaching the staff this, and maybe you've been in some meetings with me lately where I've talked about a little, a little bit of this, but I have a maxim in my life, and this, this is powerful for your life. This is not just preacher talk. This is not just church talk. So you might want to jot this down or take a picture of it. In every season of hardship and opposition, there is a two key words, striking opportunity to advance further the cause of Christ. Leave that up there for a minute, guys. That will change the way you go through hard times. Instead of wallowing in self-pity and grief and getting defeated and depressed and all those things that can come with that, and we've all been there, I've been there. If you start to look at the hardships of life like this, in every season of hardship and opposition, the wise person, the wise church, looks for the striking opportunity to advance further the cause of Christ. And that's what we've been doing. We've been trying to navigate and maneuver this season, but that's, that's what I've been doing. That's what your staff have been doing. And so it was a challenging season of opposition. So why don't I just take a moment? I think this is kind of healthy. The early worship celebration loved this moment, so you might enjoy this. If you don't like to talk about finances, this will bother you. But let me just take a moment to tell you how we did as a church. Some of you are wondering, many, many of you so into this ministry, you deserve to know how we were affected by COVID. Yes, we were affected economically, like most churches, but not nearly to the extent of most churches. There is this organization called CDF Capital, and they've been surveying churches to get information on how they handled the COVID season. The average decline in churches' TNO, tithes and offerings, that's what we bring and give to the Lord, the average decline was over 29% drop in the average church in America 
in the last 18 months. Now, I stopped by today to give you a huge praise report. We did not experience that kind of decline. New Hope experienced a 6% decline in the last year. Now, that's something worthy of celebrating. You mean to tell me we went through a once-in-a-lifetime experience, a global pandemic, shut the church down, moved everything online, and we only experienced a 6% decrease in giving? Time out. Hear my heart. Thank you. Like you were faithful. And I am so grateful for your generosity. If you like visual things, I'm a visual learner. I love graphs and things like that. Here's a graph that'll kind of walk you through that. Tithes and offerings in our fiscal year, our fiscal year is August 1 through July 31st. Our tithes and offerings were $7,199,065. Our expenses were $6,469,079. You see the graph there in the bottom left that shows you the 6%. Notice the one on the right that the expenses were cut so that we could handle the season that we were in. You should know that we reacted very quickly. We worked to be proactive rather than reactive in managing our expenses. As soon as we made the decision to move everything off-site to online, we froze spending and we cut our ministry budgets by 50%. Now guess what? There's a lot of pastors and staff at this church. I'm pleased to let you know that we didn't have one pastor or one staff person complain. Yeah, that's, that's something. Thank you for the pastors and staff of this church. They were nimble. They were pivoting with us. This allowed us to be very proactive where and how we would spend and maximize the power of every single dollar that you give. We managed budgets in micro seasons. This was new for us. Instead of budgeting on a year, we managed in micro seasons of a month or two at a time. By the way, we're still doing that. We adjusted quickly to our new realities and the result of our stewardship and caution resulted in a net decrease in expenses last year of 15%. So we were down 6% in giving, but we cut expenses by 15%. Again, for the visual learners, here is a graph that'll walk you through that, that'll show you kind of the season. It's a 12-month P&L statement. And you'll notice that the gray or the black tone, that is the revenue. Red is the expenses. What I want you to notice is that our, our expenses are always right with our revenue Or in most cases, as we made it through COVID, look at the the last five or six months or so, you'll notice that the, the revenue exceeded the expenses. You need to know about this church that we will always adjust and make sure we spend within our means. That's a very important point for you to realize, Uh, not only in the church, but in our personal lives. Amen? Young person, you might not have been taught that. But listen, always try to manage your finances in a way where you don't spend more than you make. That is called debt, and that is not a good place to be. Can I get an amen? amen? Side note there. Hey, Bottom line, Romans 1.8. Romans 1.8 is my heart to you today before I get ready to move towards kind of revealing a few things. Romans 1.8 says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Thank you. Your generosity has been unbelievable and we've been able to navigate and maneuver what I believe will be probably the hardest season in the life of this church. I thank God for you. And if you're sitting here going, well, you ain't talking to me because I haven't given anything. Hey, you're welcome here. (laughs) You're welcome here. And I want to invite you into the game. 
I want to invite you into the greatest thing happening on planet earth, and that is the church of Jesus Christ. He is the hope of the world. His gospel goes forth, and in a day and age where people are hopeless, they need the hope of God more than ever. So I want to invite you in to partner with us so that we can continue to bless the world and change the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't take my word for it. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 8, he would say, the point is this. He's teaching on finances, so he just kind of cuts right to the chase. For those of you who are bottom line kind of people, you love this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also what? Reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap what? Each one must give as he or she has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful, we got any cheerful givers in the house? Any people who understand what I'm talking about? Absolutely. God loves, why does God love a cheerful giver? Because God is the ultimate giver. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave, he's a giver. For God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So as we look at this striking opportunity in this season to, to, to look at the church and how we focus it and pivot it and move towards the future, I don't need to tell you, but we are living in some hopeless days, are we not? Hopelessness is at an all-time high. Suicide rates are at an all-time high. Depression is at an all-time high. About a month or so ago, your staff gathered in here and we were taking in a leadership conference and we were listening to a man by the name of Dr. Henry Cloud, who is the leading psychologist and psychiatrist in America, one of the leading guys, particularly in the Christian community. Solid guy. He was presenting all kinds of data and his case, and it was very convincing, was that 40% of the people walking around in America today, 40%, are suffering and struggling from some form of mental illness, mental health issues. That means four out of 10 people you will see tomorrow and every day this week are struggling, be it depression or anxiety or suicidal thoughts or sleeplessness or hopelessness, 40%. And by the way, we're the church. That doesn't mean we're immune from it. That means that four out of 10 in here or there about one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. No, no. <laughs> like seriously, that's, that's some tough stuff. Which, which is a way for me to say, I'm so thankful that we have a church that is named and marches under the banner of hope. People are hopeless that means our job, our responsibility, our calling to be ambassadors of hope becomes that much more important. You see, the Bible says that God is a God who loves to redeem bad things. The Bible says God is a God who loves to do a new thing, a striking opportunity. In fact, Isaiah 43, come on out loud, really strong, go. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Come on, if you believe it, let me hear you praise God. <laughs> Say, bring it on, God. Bring it on. Usher in the new. Hopelessness. It's everywhere. 
And as I was counting off, maybe you're in here, and the truth is I'm saying this, you're like getting excited about it, but the truth is at times you're hopeless. Do you, do you know that they say that a human being can only live three minutes without air? Let's try it. On the count of three, hold your breath. <laughs> three minutes. They say that a normal human being can only live three days without water. And they say that you can only make it about 30 days without food. But I want to let you know today that the truth is you can't make it very long without hope. And we have a lot of hopelessness going on. It's why the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, out loud, come on, it's the word, declare it strong, go. Hope deferred makes the heart, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You guys sound great. What a great verse of scripture. There's a lot of people walking around with sick hearts today because their hope is deferred. And maybe you're here today, and I don't know why, I'm just feeling an impression on the Holy Spirit just to camp out here in this particular celebration. Maybe you're here today and your heart just feels a little sick. Maybe it's because hope has been deferred for you and you're, you're grappling to find hope in the midst of the darkness. It's why we believe that God has led us to an anthem. It's an anthem that we are going to declare over the course of the next year or so as long as the Spirit of God leads us, but it's three powerful words, and I believe it in the marrow of my bones. Three words. Hope changes everything. Say it with me. Hope changes everything. One more time, balcony. Hope changes everything. And that's where we are heading in the future. Let me talk to you a little bit about hope. It is just as powerful today, if not more so, than it was 20 years ago when we started this church. Hope is essential to life. People go after hope like moths go after a light at night. It's intrinsic to who we are. Neuroscientist Tally Sherrod argues hope is essential to our survival and it is literally hardwired into our brains. It can be the difference between living a healthy life or a defeated, unhealthy life. Studies show that college students get higher GPAs when they have hope and they're far more likely to graduate. Hopeful athletes perform better on the field, they cope better with injuries, and they have greater mental adjustments in situations of change when they have hope. In one study of the elderly, check it out, those who said they felt hopeless were more than twice as likely to die during the study follow-up period than those who were hopeful. Hope is powerful. It's pretty clear hope is catalytic. Hope gives us life. Dr. Shane Lopez said it like this, hope isn't just an emotion, but it is absolutely essential to life. Which means those of us called new hope have a really big role to play in our culture. Without hope, suicide rates escalate. In an article, Dying of Despair, psychiatrist Aaron Curarty observes the startling rise in death from suicide and drug overdoses. He points out to a number of long-term studies. This is one of the leading gurus in the study of hope. Points out that he, as they analyze the data, the difference 
between high-risk patients and those who survived came down to hope. Far more people who committed suicide were far more hopeless. He puts it like this. Over a 10-year span, it turns out that the one factor most strangely or strongly predicted of the suicide is not how sick a person is, nor how many symptoms he or she exhibits, nor how much physical pain he is suffering, nor whether he is rich or poor, the most dangerous factor of a person's sense of hopelessness. The man without hope is the likeliest candidate for suicide. We simply cannot live without hope. Now, two things. One is, there's a heaviness in the room when you talk about these things. And that's okay. The second is, my microphone is starting to make some noises. <laughs> and I'm going to try to move slowly and they'll let me know if I need to do anything else. But you feel it, don't you? The truth is you feel it in this room, the heaviness of these subjects. The truth is you feel it when you watch the news or you go to a website. You feel it in our culture. Hopelessness is at an all-time high. And so we've decided to do two things. One is our anthem. What is it? Three words. Say it with me. Hope changes everything. And the second thing we did was we decided that the striking opportunity that we had in the midst of this season was to rebrand the entire movement, to give the entire movement a facelift. And I know some of you are new and you're like, oh, it all feels kind of fresh to me. Well, we've been living with it for 20 years. And so we decided to do an incredible a brand logo overhaul of the movement. And so we hired a guy by the name of Charles Lee out of Los Angeles, California. He is the CEO of Ideation. He is the guru in the brand logo world. He has worked for all kinds of companies. He worked with Google. He worked with Toyota. He worked with Tom's, Vanguard, Caterpillar, One Campaign. Worked with some great churches like Saddleback Church, Willow Creek Community Church. He was a part of the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C., which I highly recommend to you. We hired this guy. He came in, and he has led us through this journey for many, many, many months. I'm going to show this to you in a few moments. But no, we've been working at this a long time. And we've been working on the brand and the logo of the church. Here's a powerful quote that Charles shared with us. Your brand is the gut feeling someone has about your product, service, or organization. It's not what you say it is. It's what they say it is. So think about this for a moment. What are some of your favorite brands? What are some of your favorite logos? Just come on. Just yell them out. Balcony, talk to me. Huh? Bojangles. <laughs> he says bow time. It's bow time. My man. Sitting up here in his bare feet, got his, got his flip-flops under the chair. Bow time over here. I love it. I can, I can do some bow time. <laughs> what else? What else? Huh? Apple. Apple's a big one. What else? Huh? Google. Google. Big. Big. What else? Chick-fil-A Christian chicken. And you know what's so bad now? All of us are going to be leaving here today thinking we want some Christian chicken. You ever done what I've done? You pull up in there on a Sunday. You're all excited. Extra Chick-fil-A sauce, waffle fries. Those mugs are closed on Sunday. 
And they do better closed on Sunday honoring God's day than they could ever do with it. So I, I don't like it. It bothers me when I do that. But hey, good for them. Any others? Any others? God, y'all sound like y'all speaking in tongues. Do what? Jordan? Jordan, yeah, yeah. Starbucks. Mary Kay? Mary Kay. Sister. Mary Kay and bow time. That's what I'm talking about. So the, the, and some of you are gonna love this stuff and some of you don't really think about this stuff, but your logo and your brand is really, really, really important. And we decided it was a striking opportunity to seize it. I think I kind of started surprising some staff around here where I'm like, listen, everything's on the table. If 2020 doesn't make you evaluate everything in your life, everything was on the table. The logo's on the table, the color scheme, everything. And so Charles led us through this process. He started interviewing a bunch of new hopers, not staffers, but new hopers as well. And he started figuring out, hey, it's not what we say it is, it's what they say it is. And so he came up with this word maze through all of the interview questionnaires and processes. Now here's a word maze, it's a lot. We're not gonna leave it up there long. But these were all of the words that characterizes New Hope Church. And let, just let your mind and your eyes fall on that. Those words feel like they describe new hope to you? Amen. Praise God, right? From that, we, we, we sifted on down to five key words that we believe are hallmark, pillars, if you will, of the new hope movement. Five key words. One is real. If you go read that dream outside, you'll see the first paragraph is about real. We dream of a church where real people meet a real God who meets real needs as they are compelled to do so. Real. Like we are an authentic church. I, what you see is what you get with me. Hopefully it's that way with you. I often said this from the very beginning. Don't take it the wrong way because it's the day of mass. But I always said, check your mask at the door. I don't mean literally check your mask at the door. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask as some of you are doing right now. That's perfectly fine. Right? But we want to take our mask because Christian community has been guilty for so long. We put on a mask. How are you doing? Oh, praise the Lord. How are you? I'm doing good. You home fighting all the time with your wife. You just lost your job. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And, and like, <laughs> put the mask down, man. God sees right through your phoniness. So we are real. At least we try to be. Always have, always will. Second word, hopeful. We're a hopeful people. Come hell or high water, we're going to rest on hope, right? We're going we're to serve a God of hope. Remember, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Regardless of how bad it gets, we believe that ours is a God who can redeem bad things and make things beautiful. Yes. Come on now. God is just that good. Third word, vibrant. We're a vibrant church. In many, many ways, but here's one that we love to celebrate. We are a vibrant church that fully represents God's created order, meaning we are diverse. We celebrate God's diversity. We don't come to the table going, well, I don't see color. No, we see color. We see skin color. And we celebrate every shade of it. Come on now. God is beautifully diverse in his creation. And so we've always thanked God that his unique DNA and fingerprint is on us to be a diverse church. We are vibrant. We are purposeful. Fourth word, purposeful. 
We are intentional in everything we do. And as I often tell the staff, don't ever hesitate to ask why. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Why is important? Why? Because we're purposeful. And the fifth word is caring. We are caring. We care for people. Regardless of whatever, we just care for people. We don't judge people. We don't beat people up. We don't be like the church has often been over the centuries where we shoot our wounded. No, we care. We genuinely care for people. And so as Charles led us through that process, we then tried to find a logo that captured so much of that. And so we're kind of ready to show it to you. Are you ready to receive it? You've been great today, by the way. Are you ready? To show you the new one, we need to show you the old one. Now, don't go being critical, right? We, 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 we love this thing for 20 years. That was our, remember, it's all lowercase. Some of you be like, why y'all spell it lowercase? Why y'all put New and Hope together? Because there were a lot of other New Hope churches and we needed to set ourselves apart. And we wanted hope to be bold because hope is where it's at. Same thing I'm saying today. Hope. So it's all lowercase, hope bold, with a cross and a swirl. And it has now gone through a transition. And I'm wondering if you can give me a drum roll. Oh, you guys are great today. You can do, let's, let's take it to a clap, make it a little louder. Here we go. I believe we are at a defining moment in the life of the church universal. There is a truth, and the truth is Jesus Christ. really a new hope for us. The church is made up of real people who are down to earth, who serve God. Community helped to strengthen everything that I was learning about Christianity. The same God who said that he will work all things out together for good, he still means it today. Eternity is being changed. Lives are being changed. Souls are being saved. And it changes everything. Find hope here. I can tell you like it, and I'll just warn you, the more you see it, the more you'll like it. I've been living with it for months now, and I just, every time I see it, I just, I get giddy about it. Let me tell you a little bit about it. The typeface, the simple and direct style of the logo typeface symbolizes the authentic and honest attributes of New Hope Church. The bold and all caps. We decided today, in, in tough times, listen, you don't shrink back. You look for the striking opportunity. And so we've gone from lowercase to all caps to say we are here. We're going to be bold in the future. We are going to trust a God who will move graciously on our behalf. The caps and the bold represents the strength and the devotion of the church adds weight and presence to the logo. The symmetry within the cap letters visually creates a stable balance and unity while the rounded edges express the friendly and welcoming nature of the church. Let me just walk you through a few things. There's a cross. Yeah. You see the cross? 
Some of you are like, what you talking about, Willis? It's kind of like the arrow in FedEx. Once you see the arrow in the FedEx logo, you'll never not see it again. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about there. Next time you look at a FedEx, look, look for the arrow. It's going that way. Do y'all see the, raise your hand if you see the cross. There's still a lot of you that don't see it. Okay, so look between the N and the E and the leaves that go up. Oh. And by the way, we wanted it like that. We wanted it subtle, but it's there and you'll, you'll always see it from here on out. We believe the cross is central to the gospel. I get criticized sometimes. Why do you want a cross? Why do you put the cross on top of the campuses? Blah, blah, blah. Here's why. Because the cross is where Jesus Christ laid down his life for me. For Paul, it was paradigmatic. The cross was everything. So we wanted the cross to be in there. The leaves, the leaves are really, really important. We, the leaves represent growth. Notice that they're up and to the right. We believe the church should always be growing. Some of you might be anti-growth. I love you. You need to get into the word. In the book of Acts, they're, they're, they're talking about 3,000 people got saved, 5,000 people got saved, this and that. How, how did they know those people got saved? They were counting. Growth matters. There's even a book in the Old Testament called Numbers. Get you some of that. <laughs> Numbers matter. Why? Because I, behind every number is a name. Behind every name is a face. Behind every face is a soul for which Jesus Christ bled, died, and rose again. Green conjures up growth, and the leaves represent growth and freshness and peace. This will change everything in terms of our color schemes at our campuses. We have a, a family of color now, a color palette. We'll throw this up there ever so quickly. You don't need to worry about it, but you'll start coming around and noticing, dang, I think that room's a different color. We're changing everything. Now, where this logo really, really soars is when you start throwing it on things. And I wanna go ahead and warn you, we don't have these in the resource center. They're coming. We have some other clothes today. But the, the, look at this logo on a, on a coffee mug. Glory to God, hallelujah. Yeah, come on. <laughs> hey. Coffee mugs are one of the few things we don't have. We have most everything else. Today, this will, this will have an impact on social media pages, which it looks fantastic digitally. Magazine pages, it pops and comes alive. Billboards, all these kinds of things. This new logo allows us to go from a house of brands all directly connected to one logo. In other words, before we just kind of scattered all over the place, but now we have a logo that allows all of our ministry areas to be a house of brands that are all connected to the one logo. Let me show you what I mean. I'm talking about things like New Hope Kids. New Hope students, New Hope young adults, New Hope groups, worship, missions, and first contact. And we will often refer to it as NH, like NH students. Now, here's what's cool. Yeah, here's what's cool. Some of you are like, I think I've heard that before. It's amazing when you start doing things and how the Holy Spirit works. As we came to this conclusion, when it was all said and done, we then realized that our student ministry, a couple of years ago, started referring to their ministry as NH students. So all of these will be referred to that way. But it's all a very exciting time. Brother, that was good timing. <laughs> Brother, that was money. That was money. <laughs> Give him some love. It is all very exciting when you think about the season that we're in. Realizing that God has led your staff 
to seize this as a striking opportunity to set forth a new trajectory and a new focus in the days ahead. How many of you are familiar with William and Mary University? William and Mary up in Virginia. It's a great school. Um, I don't know if you are familiar with its history, but if you're looking for a great place to do a family vacation, it's a really good place to go. William and Mary uh, College was led by a magnificent president one time by the name of Benjamin Yule. Here's a picture of Benjamin. He's a very happy guy. Watch this. I don't know why all the older historic people, when they took pictures, they never smiled. Um, somebody told me after the first service, they felt, they felt like it was because they had to sit there so long. It took so long for them to process the picture. So who wants to smile that long? But I don't know. They probably somewhere looking at us today going, why do you people smile all the time? Anyway, that's Benjamin Yule. He was a great, great leader. William and Mary College was doing great for a century and a half. The prestigious Virginia school had experienced you know, prevailing times and soaring. It was one of the, the great American universities. Then came the Civil War. And the Civil War and the hard days of reconstruction that followed, William and Mary went bankrupt like a lot of Southern schools during those times. Soon it had a deserted campus decaying buildings and absolutely no students. But check this out. This was incredible. Everyone had given up on the university except one man, <clears throat> President Benjamin Yule. And every morning, Monday through Friday, Benjamin Yule would get up early in the morning, go to the bell tower. Remember, there were no students. The buildings were decayed and dilapidated. He would go to the bell tower, climb up the bell tower, and ring the bell, calling the students back to school. He didn't do this for a year or two years or three years. He did this for seven years, which I love, by the way. That's the biblical number for completion. For seven years, this one man in utter defiance of the despair and the depression of the day, would get up, crawl up a bell tower, and ring the bell, calling the students to come back, calling the university to rise from the ashes. He just simply would not give up. And people thought he was crazy. Nevertheless, seven years later, he rang the bell and the students started to return and the resources starting to return and the buildings were renovated. And now today, William and Mary College is a prevailing college all because one man said, I will not give up. Hey, call me crazy, but I stand before you today in utter defiance of the pandemic, in utter defiance of the political mess that we have to deal with every day, in utter defiance of the depression and the mental health that is coming against our culture, in utter defiance of the world that's trying to sap our young people and tell them there's not a gospel and there's not a hope. I stand in defiance to say the gospel of Jesus Christ is the greatest news the world has ever known. And ours is a God who will build beautiful things out of ashes. Ours is a God who loves to redeem despair and depression. 
And you can call me crazy all you want because I am a little crazy. <laughs> but I still believe in September 2021, as we still try to navigate this season and come out of it, I still believe that the best is yet to come. I still believe it. I celebrate it. And I invite you into it. Why? Because hope changes everything. Pray with me. Father God, we love you today. I thank you for a church that gets it. I thank you for a church that is leaning in. Father, I thank you for this historic day in the life of our church, God. Long will live September 12 when we said, you know what? Back to church, new logo, new day, new season. And Father, we are gonna stand here today and we are gonna praise you and we are gonna celebrate you and we are gonna speak things that are not as though they were and know that you are a God that brings them back. Isaiah 43, you are a God who is doing a new thing. You are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords and we worship you and we praise you in this day, in this moment and all of God's people said together, amen. And amen. Praise the Lord, church.